Okay, before we get going, let's ask God to open up our hearts and our minds. We're going to be talking about regrets. In fact, uh, the message this morning is, I titled it, Grace Versus Regrets, you know. And I'm thinking of that in the way like a wrestling match or a game or whatever, somebody's going to win. Well, grace versus regrets. So let's uh, ask God to open up our minds, okay? Father, uh, as we come this morning, Lord, uh, we are thankful that we get to be in your house. And we're closing out uh, 2019. Uh, What a good way to do it, Lord, uh, uh, being together as your church family. And so, God, you have told us that uh, uh, we don't have because we don't ask. Jesus himself said that. And so what we're asking you to do, Lord, all of us have regrets in our lives, and uh, we have even more of them ahead of us, uh, especially if we're younger, Lord, but uh, uh, you help us through those things. So help us this morning as we talk about that and the, the gratefulness and the thankfulness that we have of how your grace uh, works in our lives, Lord, and uh, how kind you have been to us and loving. And we just... Pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When Phil asked me to preach on this Sunday, it was about a month and a half ago, uh, I told him I wanted to usher in the new year with a message about regrets. That That's just because that had kind of been in my mind already. And oftentimes we think of New Year's resolutions, but for some reason regrets came to my mind and I thought this is something that uh, I wanted to uh, talk about. I guess it would be because I have some regrets in my life and I, I would ask you, how about you? I think, you know, we do. And at first I was thinking about a title of like, no regrets. Well, that wouldn't work. Then I thought of maybe calling it living without regrets, but that wouldn't work either, or set free from regrets and such. I was thinking about different message titles like that, and that's why I settled on grace versus regrets, because we're going to have regrets in, uh, um, in life, and we always will. And I guess we could say that sin brought regret into the world, and now we deal with it as people, and we will in this fallen, broken world we live in until God uh, uh, calls us out of this. But uh, uh, it, it's, 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 for me, it's just interesting because I look back on these things in my life and I have a, a lot of stories that I could tell you of regrets in my life, but that would serve no purpose because every one of you here already know what I'm talking about, so I don't have to explain to you about regrets of your, you know, each one of us suffer with them. But the interesting thing about it is, is it's not just something that we suffer with as people, but God did too. And I want to take you back to grab your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to read verses uh, 6 through 8. So, here's some pages uh, rattling there. 
And this is what it reads. It says, And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Some of your versions will, instead of favor, grace. It will say grace. And if you, a kid that grew up in the church, you'll remember the song, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he was lifted up. That little jingle comes to my mind. But this is, this is when God decided he was going to send the flood. But he, he uh, found favor with Noah and his family. And that's why we're here today, right? We sh- uh, through the happenings there, uh, uh, all of mankind wasn't wiped out. But the Lord regretted. Wow, the Lord regretted. So now we see it's not just an emotion that, uh, that we deal with as people, uh, but our Lord dealt with regret too. And I think, you know, as I was thinking of that, I thought of stories, you know, like the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and asked him what he needed to do. And Jesus uh, could see that he was doing a lot of things right, but also Jesus knew the one thing that was hanging him up, and that was his money, his things, his possessions. And Jesus told him to let go of those, and, and the young man went off uh, uh, because sad because he didn't want to let go of the monetary things. And Jesus felt sad because he loved him. So, you know, I'm sure story after story after story, we could insert into the the story the regrets that the Lord himself maybe even had in in those because of the way we do as people. But, um, you see, we can inflict uh, regret on others or it can be inflicted by us. And then I thought, uh, even if it's not our choice. And then I thought, oh no, now I got to think of what regrets I have caused others when I thought of that. It's easier, isn't it easier to be the victim of a regret, right? Than to realize that I've done that. And that I thought, that's a bummer because I didn't want to think about myself. And uh, I can speak for myself when I say that I have caused God uh, regrets more times than I could ever count. I would hate to get a list from him of when he's regretted uh, some of the things I've done or said. It would be long, probably longer than most of the years, I would say, and I'm not bragging. But uh, uh, I just want to admit that. And, and God knows the regrets that I have caused to others. I know there's people in here that are sitting here today probably that would be like, well, I wish Danny wouldn't have done that or he uh, did this or something or whatever. And, and I, I can't even keep track of that, but that could, that, could sure, that could sure happen. But what about you as you look at regret in this way? Us being the inflictor of regrets for others. 
something that we need to consider, isn't it? Um, it's not wrong to regret always. Uh, it isn't always wrong. As we go through life, it's easy to have regrets. And some, I would say, are innocent and nothing's wrong with it. Have you ever regretted, if you lived around Libby here, have you ever regretted not buying some property on the lake when you had a chance to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? And then, because you see the prices today, you could say, geez, I could be retired now if I'd have bought a lot on one of the lakes when I was in high school. But see, that, that, could, be, that could be a regret. Um, have you ever regretted selling that 60s or 70 muscle car you had when you were young? And you see what the prices are today? Yeah, I can see some guys' heads nodding there. Um, and we're not talking about Dodsons and Toyotas. <laughs> um, uh, but what about the job that you could have had that you wish you would have taken? Or what about the job that you realize you took that you shouldn't have? We can have some regrets like that, right? And uh, But those are things that we can think of and we could just go on and on with the list. You could start raising your hand and naming out regrets and we could go all day very easy. And uh, then by the end of the day, you'd regret that I even had you do that, you know? <laughs> uh, but what about uh, spiritual regrets? Maybe the things that matter for eternity. These are things that we need to pay attention to. And this is what I want to think about today. Our regrets can bring about a different course of action. As we read in Genesis, the Lord's regret brought about grace. And we can be thankful for this because remember in verse 8 in Genesis, it said, in chapter 6, verse 8, it said, Noah found favor, and some of the versions say grace. And you see, uh, we've found favor with God just like Noah did. That, and we're here today because the grace that God had for Noah, and he was sorry he had made man, but he didn't destroy all of mankind. And we're here today to talk about this because of that. But God loved us so much that he had a plan to save us, and that happened through his son Jesus. And uh, now I wanted to see as I was preparing for this, this message today, I wanted to see what Google had to say about regret, okay? So I went to Google, and I typed in top 10 regrets in life. That was my search. She's going to have it on the screen here, and I hit the search button, and I had Beth make this slide and we condensed it down. You can see I, I did this on December 6th, if you see up at the top. And I searched with quotations, top 10 regrets in life. Because that's supposed to narrow it down on the word search. I don't know, that's what they say. But look how many, 62,700,000 results. And I read through about half of them and I got tired. <laughs> Just, just joking. But anyway, here's what came up. And now this was, this was on my Google page, the very first thing. And then, as you know, those of you that use the internet, there's other links that you can go to 
you know, on the first page, I don't know, 15 or something, and then you go on to the next page and keep going along. So this was the very first thing, and this is what it says, the top 10 regrets of the dying. That's not what I search for, right? But see, and then as I looked down through other links, most of all of it was tied to dying. The world we live in tied that together in that way because that's not what I wanted. I wanted top 10 regrets in life. I wanted to look at things that I could do in my life to, you know, I'm not thinking of my deathbed, right? So, see, that was interesting to me. That's why I, I put that up there because I think it says a lot about the, the world we live in and I think it says a lot about us as Christians how our attitude is different. I, I, I was thinking of things that would help me right now so that I'm not on my deathbed thinking of things like, I wish I didn't hold back my feelings. I wish I stayed in touch. I wish I was happier. I wish I cared less of what others think. I wish I didn't worry so much. I wish I took better care of myself. I wish I didn't take life for granted. I wished I lived in the now. And there was a couple more there, but the way the page broke down, I just copied the, the eight of them there. But here, here was the interesting thing about that too. I didn't see anything listed about our relationship with God. You have to really dive into it in a different way for that to even be brought up. Well, that's the first thing. As Christian people, that's the first thing of dealing with regrets and figuring out how to get past some of our regrets in life, the very first thing is God that makes a difference. Um, but where is God in the mix of our life and regrets? And I want to deal with some of my regrets before my deathbed. How about you? Shake your head if you're with me on that. Yeah. Uh, I want to eliminate some things in my life that may become regrets later. That's what I want to do. I, I want to have less regrets. I know I can't get out all of them. And, uh, and, and I'm not here today to say I know how to help you with all your regrets. So afterwards, I don't you know, want you to think that I got all the answers. Of course, you guys know that already anyhow. But... I will tell you that God can help you, okay? Let me say that again. God can help you because he can do the things we can't do on our own, right? And uh, I wondered what story to use from the Bible to help us understand regret. And I ended up using the story of Peter denying that he knew Jesus. This story is contained in all four of the Gospels. And for those who are note-takers, it's in the following books and chapters. Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14, Luke chapter 22, and John chapter 18. And I followed closely to Luke's account, but also used parts of the other accounts and what I'm going to read to you here in a minute. But Peter, one of the apostles chosen and taught by Jesus himself, had a major regret experience in his life. Have you ever talked with others and the subject came up about the most 
embarrassing moment of your life or the scariest moment in your life or maybe the happiest moment in your life. You know the conversations I'm talking about. Sometimes that happens when we're together with our peer groups, but it can happen anywhere along the way where we're telling those type of stories. And then somebody says, well, boy, here's what happened you know, to me. Well, in thinking about that, I tried to put myself in the place of Peter if we were to ask him, what do you regret the most in your life or what was your worst moment? Okay? And now I want to just tell you that uh, this is my words. This is Deanie's words of what Peter might have to say if we were talking to him and asking him the question, what's your biggest regret? And I use the scriptures as a reference, but again, I say this story comes from my interpretation uh, and what I think if I was Peter, okay? So I, I wrote this and I, I use scripture, but, but also yeah, I'm not reading God's word to you, okay? But uh, those of you that are at different points in what you know about the Bible and stuff, there's a lot of the factual uh, uh, stuff in here, but... This, this would be in, in my imagination how Peter would answer that. And I titled this, Peter's Worst Day. As I think about my worst day or what I would say is my worst regret in my life, it's not hard to remember. My mind goes back to the Garden of Gethsemane and when Jesus was arrested. I hate to even utter the words I am about to speak because it brings back the shame and the guilt that I felt. Jesus had been telling us many things and we were having a hard time figuring out what he was talking about. Every time he mentioned having to leave us or being killed, our minds couldn't accept it. We saw what he could do and knew who he was and it didn't make sense. And as I think back now, I see the plan that his father in heaven had for him, but not at the time when we were together. We were in the garden and Jesus was praying, talking to his father. He had asked us to keep watch and pray too, but we were all exhausted and it was late. We couldn't stay awake. Suddenly, we all heard a commotion and a crowd of people approaching. It was soldiers, officers, some of the chief priests and politicians. Many of them were carrying swords and clubs and then fellow brother Judas was with them. Jesus said, who are you looking for? And Judas kissed Jesus. When I realized Judas was part of this, I would have liked to have killed him myself. One of the cocky servants of the priests reached out to grab Jesus and I swung my sword and sliced his ear right off. The soldiers were ready to take us on, but Jesus told us to stand down. Jesus healed the man's ear just like we had seen him do before. We were going to fight, but Jesus told me to put my sword away. I had told Jesus earlier that day that I was ready to die for him, but he seemed to have another plan. The mob took Jesus away, treating him like he was a criminal. I was afraid one of the soldiers might decide to take me too, but they were occupied with Jesus. I stayed back to see where the mob was taking Jesus. They ended up at the high priest's house. This didn't surprise me because most of the religious leaders 
hated Jesus and they hated us too. The high priest had a big fancy house with a big courtyard and the mob built a fire and there were many people who were trying to see what was happening. One of the servant girls saw me sitting there in the firelight and pointed to me and said, this man was with Jesus too. I told her in front of the others I did not know him. A short time later, another person saw me and said I was one of them who were with Jesus. I quickly said, I'm not with him and I don't know what you're talking about. An hour later, someone else said that I was with Jesus and that I was a Galilean. I said I didn't know what they were talking about and even uttered a curse. Then suddenly, all that rang in my ears at that moment was the crowing of a rooster. The most horrible thing happened as I looked up. Jesus was looking through the crowd and our eyes met. Nothing can describe the realization that flooded over me. Just like Jesus had told me earlier in the day that I would deny him. I thought, what was the difference of what Judas had done to Jesus and what I had just done? I had told Jesus earlier that I was willing to die along with him and now I denied I even knew him. Nothing in my life can compare to that moment as I think about the worst moment of regret in my life. All I could do was run off and cry like I had never cried in my life. But oh, the amazing thing is Jesus loved me anyway. Later, after Jesus was crucified and rose again, Jesus asked me three times if I loved him and I told him boldly each time I did. Jesus restored who I was through grace and mercy like only he can do. I will die for him next time. That, that might be what Peter would tell us. That's in my mind. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that story is about all of us, right? If I ask you here, have you ever uh, denied Jesus in some way or whatever? All our hands would have to go up uh, because even, even in our act of doing things that we want to on our own, we're denying what we know is right, right? To the Lord and causing Him regrets. So, so we're, all, we're all in that... Uh, um, story but it's it's just easier to read it about peter or something and that's why i put that part in there you know judas was the betrayer but then you know well look what peter did <laughs> same thing and then the lord would tell me deanie look what you did look what you've done and i would have to hang my head and say yeah I know what you're talking about, but can, and I'd say, can we talk about somebody else instead? <laughs> um, but we have this good story recorded in God's word, not only to see that Peter was a man or a person just like us, but we see that grace was extended to us even when we didn't deserve it. Um, and you see that there is God's character that grace. 
Remember in Genesis, Noah's, Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's for us too when we have Jesus as our Savior. And listen to what Paul has to say in this, this scripture here that I'm going to read out of Romans chapter 5, these uh, verses 12 through 17. If, if we were sitting down to a meal uh, relating to this scripture to a meal here, this would be meat and potatoes here, okay? This scripture that we're going to read. So it's, it's heavy duty and there's a lot in it. But it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For the judgment followed one trespass and brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. So if we take that scripture, the bottom line is what it is saying is one one person messed up God's plan and brought sin into the world. And we know the story of what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. But God sent his son who became a man, Jesus, God in the flesh, to rescue us. So the one act that led to our separation from God and really doomed us all, and we've all been part of that in our sin, Jesus came and he fixed that. Just him, because of what Jesus did, he brought an abundance of grace and mercy and a free gift where we can have life. Uh, Our brokenness is gone because of what Jesus did. See, that's the... That's the grace. That's the, that's the thing that makes a difference for us in our lives. That's the thing that can um, erase those regrets that we need to put behind us. And then uh, listen to this in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul writes um, in verse 16 and 17, he says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself And God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort. Now we're talking about eternal things. You know, we mentioned that earlier. Eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So what Jesus did was he brought us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. And that's what makes a difference with our regrets. 
that we have in our life, even some of them that we're going to have ahead of us that uh, uh, somebody else might inflict on us even if it's not our own choice. But we have hope in that. Can we get rid of our regrets? Well, God's grace can cover them. Can, uh, God can help us live our lives avoiding many regrets because we ask for help before we make the choices that lead to the regrets. And uh, um, God's word's a tool. His, his word here is a tool that eliminates a lot of stress and grief and regrets in our life if we'll do the things that he has told us here in his word, both spiritually and physically. And uh, he also puts people in our lives who help us see the right way to live our lives as children of God, okay? Um, we have the church family. It's a place to help us as we go through life together because we have each other that we can uh, rely on and people that are ahead of us can show us ways of uh, leading our life to where regrets and things can uh, uh, be minimized a lot because of that. And thinking about regrets as we move into the year 2020, 2020, one of the guys this morning uh, when we were praying together before services, Cal St. I said, when I was a kid, 2020 meant how good you could see with your eyes. <laughs> he said, now it's, we're, we're looking at a year like that. So, But as I was thinking that as we move into next year, I thought of this, the regrets of the living lead to the regrets of the dying. So in other words, you know, the, the regrets that we are living can lead to the regrets of the dying. And, and that's what we saw in our Google search that I was showing you, that the interpretation of that for the world is the things that are happening in our life Right now, someday we're going to just realize, hey, we're almost done for and I'm dying and I wish this would have happened or that would have happened and stuff. Well, um, the regrets of the living lead to the regrets of the dying. Well, that doesn't have to be. And uh, um, I don't want, for myself, I don't want to have a bunch of dying thoughts and, and, and deathbed regrets in my life. Uh, the Christian people that I've been around, that hasn't been that way. wasn't that way with my dad when he was on his deathbed. Uh, um, he didn't go through a bunch of list of regrets and told me, you know, Dini, don't do this and that. He lived his life different than that way. And yeah, he had some regrets. I'm sure if uh, he was here, you could say, hey, uh, did you ever regret Eeny a few times along the way, and he would say, oh man, uh, is he around here? I don't want him to hear what I have to say, but uh, we, see, we see our Christian people, the friends that we have around that uh, help us uh, with our life so that someday we don't have a bunch of regrets. God is so much bigger than that. So let's ask God to help us this next year. Number one, to not look at the regrets of the past. Those are things that are past us. Even the apostle Paul, the horrible things he did before 
he became a servant of the Lord, uh, which included even people being put in prison and murdered, uh, that he could say, I'm forgetting the past and pushing on to the future. We need to do things like that. And we need to live our life with God giving us direction this next year and not repeat some of the mistakes uh, uh, that give us regrets in life that we have had in the past. We don't have to do that. Um, God's got more in store for us. So as we think about that leading into the year um, 2020, think about what you can do with God's help to uh, put some of the regrets behind you, but also to not do some things that you're going to regret later. God, God, he's, he's given us a good manual for those type of things there if we'll, if we'll look at it. Uh, just like the story of what happened to Peter. That, that was a horrible point in his life and stuff, but God didn't hold that against him. Yeah, and then Peter, God gave him another chance. The Lord did, and uh, uh, Peter was faithful to the end. That's the way we want to be, isn't it? So um, go ahead and uh, stand up, and we'll pray together, and then we're going to sing a closing song. So, Father, uh, we are blessed to be your children, Lord, and we live in a world where People are hopeless, and um, the best they can do sometimes is on their deathbed just wish some things wouldn't have been different. But, uh, Lord, you're not that way. You've called us in a different way, Lord. Uh, we can make changes in this life now uh, with your help that uh, don't lead to regrets that we would have later. And it's because of who you are. And then also, God, we... We get to spend eternity uh, living because of what your son Jesus has done. Um, that's a big difference than having a hopeless feeling in our hearts. So help us, Lord, this year as a church and church family to uh, tell others about the hope that we have within us and what you can do for us, God, in uh, making changes in our life. You're so kind and, and beautiful at doing those things, God. So help us shine the light for you so other people can see what we have seen. And we pray and ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.